everyone this three questions with steven weber all right steven All right, Steve, I, I actually, uh, Steve and I have just been talking a little bit. It is Saturday afternoon. Steven's a big college football fan, and he still agreed to do this on Saturday afternoon. I'm like kind of a mild college football fan, so I feel I feel really guilty right now. So I hope, I appreciate your time. We'll, we'll try to make it as quick as possible so you can get watched into Arkansas football. Well, I'm excited to have a conversation <laughs> with you today. Hey, and so before I even begin, I want, to, I want a little, uh, a teachable moment that I want to share with everybody. So I'm looking at Steven's name. We've con we've contacted, we've connected before. And every time I do the podcast, I, you, it doesn't matter what your name is. I always ask the pronunciation and I just assume it's going to be Steven Weber. And I asked him before and he's like, that's actually Weber. I was like, that's why. Yeah. So I'm like, so appreciative now because I can say your name, right. We're, we're like good friends. Right. So that's how that's right. it works for everyone listening. So um, Steven, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, currently Steven is an, an assistant principal at a high school in Arkansas. He's done several roles and we're going to talk about in the other podcasts as well. He's currently the vice president of Arkansas ASCD, which I am so honored, um, to actually be able to keynote next year in 2024. And I appreciate you having me out and, uh, Dr. Bone, I hope is going to be on the podcast as well. So, um, just thanks for your time today. Thanks for, for being on the podcast. I, I'm so excited to, to talk to you today. Thank you, George. I can't wait for the conversation. All right. So Steven's done, we were talking, he's done a lot of different roles. He's been in a lot of different States. And so I was just kind of thinking about, you know, all, all the different impact that you've had, and I'm sure you've impacted a ton of people. But also in your career, you you've met teachers from you know probably Arkansas ASCD, North Carolina, Arkansas, wherever you've been. When you think of a teacher who really inspired you, who's someone you think of and why? That's such a hard question, George. Because when people ask me that, I feel like if I say one person, I'm going to offend the <laughs> other eighteen teachers who were a positive influence. But I'm going to choose one for today. One that I think of immediately is Trudy Carnes. Miss Carnes was my eighth grade English teacher in junior high school, and Miss Carnes believed in me as a writer. And to this day, I write blogs and professional articles for education, but she believed in me. You know, a lot of other English teachers marked it up and said what was wrong, but she focused on my strengths. And I didn't know about strengths-based teaching back then. I was just the student. But looking back on it, she believed in me, and then I believed in myself as a writer. And I grew with confidence to where writing has become something I use as a teacher administrator and as professional um, author for educational leadership and articles. Another uh, thing that I remember about Ms. Carnes, and this is kind of a funny story now that I'm an administrator, I wasn't really that into reading the novels and the books that the junior high teachers were assigning to us. I just, I didn't see the need to read those kind of books. I wanted to read books about sports. So Ms. Carnes taps into my interest one day and she brings me a book a season on the brink about Bobby Knight, one of the right. coaches who uses more profanity than anybody <laughs> in history. And the right. book has profanity in it. And she gives me this book and says, my husband just finished his book. I think you'd really like it. And I'm like in shock. I can't believe the teacher just gave me this book. And so I took it home, read it cover to cover. It's about Indiana basketball. And right. I was a basketball player at the time. And so Miss Carnes connected with me by believing me in a, as a writer. And now I love to read because she she hooked me on reading, but she kind of went in the back door. She didn't give me the book 
that uh, everybody else in the class was reading. And a lot of teachers are afraid to do that. We got to give a big, big <laughs> shout out to Trudy Carton. So I, I can't wait to work with your group now. Cause I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to share a story that's similar to the one you have. And I actually, we, you and I are very similar. Cause I actually will always say like, like how many of you read the great Gatsby in high school? Right. And it's like always half the audience. And then I always ask why, why did you read it? And, and it's like, did you read it because it was like mandatory in your curriculum? And it was like, for kids to be successful, they have to read the Greek Gatsby or did we read it? Cause we already own a hundred copies and the teacher knew the book inside out. Right. So I think that's such a powerful thing. And the example I use, and I, and I, to be honest with you, I feel bad cause I always wish I had that opportunity, um, is when I was growing up and we're obviously close to the same age, cause you played against Corliss Williamson who won the national championship and he's 49 years old. He's one year older than me. Um, is the book that Jordan rules. And that came out when I was in high school. And I think that the, like, I think you said it so beautifully is that I, I, I say like, if I would have read the Jordan rules, I would probably been more interested in reading. And then I would have been more open to reading the Gatsby. And I think it's not about just tapping into the kids' strengths, but starting in that place, because a lot of kids walk out of our schools, they have the ability to read. They just don't want to ever again. And, you know, like, cause we see this and I, I don't know if you know of this writer. Cause I know now I know, oh, this is like always, uh, this is always dangerous when I know someone's a sports person, because I could talk sports all day. Um, one of my favorite writers, and I know, I know, and I'm so blessed that you've read my books. Um, one of my favorite writers of all time was Rick Riley. And yes. he wrote, he wrote the back page article in yes. sports illustrated. And I, and by far, my biggest influence as a writer is Rick Riley. And maybe now that you know that you might see some of it, cause it's like, how do I, cause I wanted to be like the education version where I tell the stories to kind of make my point and create that emotional connection. He was so good at it, but I used to try to sneak sports illustrated into the classrooms and I used to get in trouble because it's like, that's not real reading it cause it's a magazine. And yet that's my biggest influence is, is that one page article. Um, those are the back of every sports illustrated. So like, I still remember, tons of articles he wrote. Um, so I, I am like, what an amazing, I just love that you had a teacher when we were kids who was, you know, it shows how many people were so forward thinking. Uh, cause we always kind of think that our generation is the one that's going to really change education, but in reality, there's people doing this forever who are thinking differently and creating, I just, I love that story. So I, I can't wait to share my stories with, um, with your group. So, all right. You've done tons of different roles as a, as an administrator, but I'm sure you've been inspired, especially, um, you know, your work currently is a, a vice principal, your work currently, um, working with, you know, great leaders all over the state of Arkansas. So when you think of, a an administrator who inspired you, who's someone you think of and why? Dr. Denise Mort in Orange County schools, Hillsborough, North Carolina. I connected with her. She, she and I both came in at the same time. And I was a executive director i think i was director of secondary schools so sixth through 12th grade curriculum and learning and she was the first time assistant superintendent for the district she has taught me about giving school board presentations she taught me about working with people and most importantly she said you must be visible in classrooms she said this is not a desk job you have to be in classrooms not just elementary not just sixth grade not just high school you got to be in every school and you got to be in the classrooms and when you're there be present don't play on your phone. Don't type on your laptop. Focus on what's going on. 
and make an impact by your presence because people need to know that you care about what they're doing more than the emails you send out, the top-down mandates. So for the rest of my career, I've tried to be visible in classrooms because she made that a, a focus of her leadership and she expected that out of all of her leaders. And one other thing she did for me, every time I gave a school board presentation, I knew when I got home or got to my car after the presentation, I was going to get a text message with like a home run or grand slam or you knocked it out of the park and some specific oh, feedback. I mean, if it was off, she'd say, we need to talk tomorrow morning about this, but the rest of it was great. But right. she would always give me feedback. And so as a leader, I remember that given your first, second, third school board presentation and you're just a nervous wreck, you, you got flies, butterflies in your stomach and your your boss or your leader says, boy, you know, you really, you, you gave the district message. That's what we needed to have said tonight. And it gave me confidence as a public speaker. And then she eventually took me to my first state conference and she said, we're going to co-present together. And I said, oh no, we're not. You're going to present and I'm going to, I'm going to click the slides. That's how we're going to co-present together. You're going to be the speaker. And she said, no, it's time for you to speak at a state level. So someone who once again, believed in me, like my teacher, Miss Carnes believed in me as a leader and then gave me leadership opportunities to grow and then multiply my influence. I love, we got to give the, that is like, I love these stories. These are awesome. You know, um, that, that story. Uh, so I, this is actually, I'm, I haven't even said this out loud. You're the first person I've said this recorded on the podcast. So I'm actually currently writing a book with Allison Apsey and Oh yeah. I like her work. She's awesome. And so, uh, we're writing a book called what makes a great principal. And so we're talking about what, what actually makes and specifically geared toward principles. And we're, I, and I say like, we're kind of co-collaborating on it, but we also have tons of teachers who are writing stories about principles. So it's not actually leadership deciding top down what great principles look. It's actually the people who they served. And the, the thing that you said is a commonality in all the great principles is that a lot of times they see something in the people they serve that the people don't necessarily see and they, they bring it out in them and, and actually level them up in the sense that they push them to a point where they're not quite ready in their mind, but that person sees something because it does accelerate your growth. Right. And that, like the thing that I see all the time, a lot of the best leaders have the same traits as some of the best teachers is that, you know, that's what teachers do. They, they see something in their kids and you see that all the time. So that that's like, I felt when you were telling that story, I felt so validated in the stories that we're collecting because that is just a theme we hear over and over again. So I I'm so excited uh, about that even more after hearing that story. All right. So you've had a lot of great experience. You've worked with a lot of different people. Um, you've had a ton of different roles, but if you can go back to your very first year of teaching and all that, you know, now, what advice would you give to your first year teacher self? I'd give a ton of advice to my first year teacher self, but <laughs> Good. let's just let's just stick with one. One thing that I didn't really fully understand as a first year teacher was what students come to the classroom with. They they all come with strengths. And I think I focused a lot on almost a bell curve, like these kids get an A or they're proficient and the rest of my class is not. So I focused on strengths and deficits or winners or losers. And a lot of authors like Rick Stiggins say, don't separate students into winners and losers. And I never really thought that I was treating kids like losers. But now when I drive to work, I see kids that don't have an umbrella. They're waiting on the bus and they're soaking wet. 
they come to school. I see kids coming to school on Monday and they haven't had a meal since last Friday's free oh. lunch. And so I see more now from a bigger perspective. And I don't think I had enough empathy on those type of situations, especially students living in poverty, because I think as a first year teacher, I was so focused on the content and I was so focused on what the teacher needs to know and be able to do. And I wasn't so focused on scaffolding and things I've learned from other great teachers from observing in several classrooms, scaffolding, front loading review, feedback. I wasn't as good at all of that because I was so focused in what I was going to do. So when the principal came in to observe me, I was all about like, hey, look at me. I'm a great teacher. Watch how great I am. And in doing that, probably wasn't focused on the needs of my learner. So throughout 25 plus years in teaching and observing teachers, I've learned a lot about teaching by seeing some really great teachers. And so Looking back, I thought I was a great teacher, but I was probably not reaching all of my students because I was not focused on all of the different unique needs that they had. Mm. I think I taught a lot. People call it teaching to the middle. I think I taught a lot to the middle and hope that I reached every kid. Right. Uh, personalized learning wasn't a discussion back then. I didn't even understand differentiation. I mean, right. there just were a lot of different conversations over time that I've learned, but going back to my early days as a teacher, I think I was definitely partly survival mode in your first year. You're just trying your hardest to know the content. So you don't look like a fool in front of the students. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I love that. And like one of the, what, and it's still said in education, like when some people are like, Oh yeah, kids don't get an A in my class. I'm like, maybe you're a crappy teacher then. <laughs> like, like yeah. your purpose is for them to understand the content, not to like punish them. Like I understand like I understand the notion of high expectations, but though like the high expectations that we have for ourselves should be that we get kids to understand what we're what we're meant to taught teach and that that that's a that's a really um, powerful thing that you're sharing. And I like I'm listening to you and I'm like I don't what you should be keynoting that conference. Like I love the stuff that you're sharing. So um, oh, we're I, we're excited that you're going. We yeah, can't man. wait to have well, you. I'm gonna suck. I'm gonna suck compared to you. So this is. Uh, <laughs> So it, it was awesome. I, I love this because I always love having the opportunity to like, you know, speak before um, I join you all and get to know you better. But wow, so many people are going to benefit from this podcast. So from the lessons that you have from your, um, the people you've worked with, the people who served you when you're a kid and um, the lessons you have for yourself. So Stephen, thank you so much for Stephen Weaver. I got your name because we're besties, right? So they, uh, so uh, I'm excited to ha to to join you all. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking more and learning more about you. So everyone, thanks for listening, Stephen. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we're almost done. We almost get to watch the end of the, the Arkansas football game. So I don't know if it's a blowout or what's going on. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day.